reminded, you know, you know pastors are, uh, even when they go on vacation, a lot of times we go to visit other churches and other pastors, see how they're doing it, see what's happening in churches. One pastor reports about coming back from a vacation. He had visited the church in the middle of the service, kind of like we did here this morning. Uh, uh, he noticed that the pastor stopped and he had everybody uh, introduce themselves to one another, shake hands and give a big hug. And his congregation hadn't done that. So he announced, he said, now I want you to know that starting next Sunday, I want to incorporate that into our service. At the end of the service, there was a lady, she got excited about that. She turned to a fellow, or a lady that was sitting next to her, and she said, I want you to know that I'm so glad you're here, and I want to hug you. And she said, listen, that doesn't start till next week. <laughs> Sometimes we're that way, aren't we? You know, we just kind of get set in things. I want to talk to you this morning about picking up your cross and following Christ. I don't know whether you realize it or not, but uh, so much of the cross today is set aside. And if we come into the Easter week, a lot of times, unless we have a good Friday service, most of the time we don't talk much about the cross. But I want to share with you this morning from Mark's Gospel, chapter number 8, beginning down at verse number 31. And Jesus is predicting His death. Verse number 31 says, Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that they must, that he must be killed after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have the mind of the things of God, but the things of men. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever wants to save his life will lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for me and for the gospel shall save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with his holy angels. I thought about the cross. Jesus gave pretty strong advice. But I'm reminded a few years ago on a television program called Good Men in America. I watched that program. And I thought about that program. You know, it was back when uh, rock star Madonna was highly praised by everybody. And on this Good Morning America, Charles Gibson was interviewing a, a jewelry designer. It was a new jewelry that was coming out that was designed by Madonna. And he began to say, this cross of Madonna, it's not all that important. And the designer said, oh yes it is. 
It is the, it is the fashion today. The Madonna cross, among the things of, of, of this, this singer was interviewing about, she said it is the most important one there is today. It is, it is a cross that everybody's buying. Gibson said, well, you know, the cross has always been a Christian. He said, not anymore. Not anymore. It's a designer. Everybody wants to wear a cross today. It's a design jewelry. And I thought, what a shame. How sad it is. You know, there's a lot of people today that wear a cross that has no idea what the Bible talks about in a cross. It's a designer piece. It is, it is a decorative of, of jewelry. But, but I want to talk to you this morning about a different cross. I want to talk about the cross of Jesus. Because you see, it is altogether different. The story takes place outside of Caesarea Philippi. I was there back in October of this past year. I know the spot. They showed us the spot where this took place. But you know what? I thought about that. You know, it is a village about 25 miles north of the Sea of Galilee. And you're at the sea when they, the, the, director that took us on the tour began to describe this. He said, Jesus had gathered disciples around him. And they could tell by the sadness on his face. It was not a pleasant time. It was not a pleasant thing to say. It's kind of like us having to tell our family when a loved one has been just diagnosed with a, with a, a disease that was going to take their life. And Jesus knew that his time was coming to an end. And so he wanted to tell the disciples about it. And they could tell by the sadness on his face it was not easy for him. He started to tell them, I must suffer at the hands of the elders and of the chief priest and of the scribes and must even die. But after three days, I will rise again. I will come alive again. And you know, when he began to tell that, Peter was furious. You know, I, I talk a lot about Peter, but you know what? Peter was furious. Why you can't, they can't do this to you. Why you are the Christ. You are our leader. And, and Peter began to, he took Jesus off to the side and rebuked him. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, for you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely a human concern because of what you want. Peter looked stunned because Jesus had never spoken that way to him before. Jesus had never read those words. Peter was simply didn't realize how difficult it was for Jesus. Then Jesus called the crowd together along with his disciples, and he said, whoever wants to be my disciples, must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Powerful words from the Master. What was he saying? What does it mean to take up your cross and follow Christ? Have you ever thought about it? What does it really mean? Well, let me, let me first of all tell you what it doesn't mean. Because you see, a lot of people have a misconception of what it is of taking up a cross. You see, it doesn't mean in times of adversity and difficulty that we come along with some whiny voice. Well, I guess that just must be the cross He wants me to bear. 
It must be the thing He wants me to do. This probably is the most abused statement on the planet Earth. How many times do we hear people say, whiningly, because something doesn't go right, well, I guess that must be my cross that I have to bear. We hear it all the time. You know what I thought about? People can't get their nails to get just right. And they say, well, maybe that's just the way God made me. Maybe that's my cross to bear. It may be that your children don't obey and, and you have a hard time controlling them. And so, you know what you do? You just say, well, maybe that's why God gave me those children. So they, that's just my cross I have to bear. Maybe some of you women that have a snoring husband and you can't get him to quit snoring. So you get up the next day and you say, well, maybe that's just the cross God gave me to bear. You know what? We find them are the most silliest things. Robert Morgan tells about a, a woman that was wealthy that had bought this beautiful BMW convertible. But she had a problem with it. She had taken it back to the dealer four times for a rattle in the dash. Nobody could find that rattle. Nobody could figure out what was causing it. And so finally she said, well, maybe that's my, maybe that's the cross I just need to bear. Well, I'm going to tell you this morning, I got news for you. Friends, bearing a cross has nothing to do with uncooperative nails or unruly children or a snoring husband or a rattle in your BMW. has nothing to do with it. You see, bearing the cross, denying yourself, taking up the cross is a choice we make. It's not something placed on us. It's a choice you and I will make. It had nothing to do, my friend. It is something, it is not something that is forced upon us. It has to do with discipleship. It has to do with hard work. It has to do with unselfish commitment of ourselves to the best that we can possibly be for Christ. It has to do this morning, my friend, with forgetting ourselves and concentrating on the needs of others that are around us. That's what carrying the cross is all about. Carrying the cross is when there is a, a family that is going through a struggle that has two or three children and God lays upon your heart not only to pray for them, but to go in and help take care of the children. That's cross-bearing. You see, when we begin to think about taking up our cross, it has to do with a commitment to excellence in all things. In short, and in a few words, Jesus said, He has given to us the most helpful advice that we can ever have in any self-help books there is today, and that is simply just do what He asks us to do. You know what? People who succeed in life, all of them deny themselves. It's not just Christians. Anybody that succeeds in life, anybody that sets out to do something and accomplish it, in order to succeed at that and be the best at that, you have to deny yourself of some things. And so I begin to think about it. It's true. You don't get to be the best in life by saying, staying in your comfort zone. You don't become the best that you can be, my friend, by doing that. You don't do it by, you do it by working until there is, you sweat blood. You do it by being the one that stays before that computer or stays before that drawing board or stays at that job and learns it and tries to figure out the best you can be so that you can do it the job in an efficient way and you can do it the best possible. 
Why? Because you deny yourself of all the comforts in order to do that. But then you become the best. It's work. Some of you remember, that have been baseball fans, remember a guy by the name of Cal Ripplin. Ripplin was a, went down in the history books for sports. Ripplin entered that sports history book by, because he played a record number of games without missing. 2,632 consecutive ball, baseball games. Now, did, did, did he ever, uh, get sick? Did he, did his body ever get sore? Oh yes. Oh yes. But you know what Ripplin said? He said, I was there. He said, he earned his national respect because he played in spite of his injuries without exception. He played with a, he, he once said, I want to be remembered as the Iron Man who had played and went out there every day and put it on the line. I want people to know that they will look back and say that he always was in the lineup. You know what? I think the baseball player is not the only one. I can tell you of some Christians that are just like that. I can tell you of some that have so dedicated their life to ministry and to Sunday school and to teaching and to working on boards and committees to working in the yard of the church. I tell you, I know people that are committed like that. They said, God has given me this opportunity. I, I, a few years back, I, I pastored in Bell Fountain, Ohio, and we, 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 had, we needed parking space. We didn't have parking for all of our people. And so we bought the cornfield behind the church. We took that cornfield and we dug her down and took the dirt out and we put a base in and we added another places for another 80 vehicles to be parked. And then they were going to put a housing development behind us. And so for the courtesy of those people, we decided that we would buy 30 pine trees and we'd plant them along that parking lot. Now, we planted those trees in, in the spring of the year. Little did we know that that would be the year of the drought. Thirty trees planted across the back of that lot. But I want to tell you something. We had two men in that church who took up the cross of pine trees. Then trees had to be watered three times a week. You think that's not much. But I'm going to tell you something. Between those two men in that church, they took that challenge. They run those hoses 300 and some feet across that lot. And they sat down on a chair for every tree needed 15 minutes of watering three times a week. Take that times 30. That's seven and a half hours at a time watering trees. But Ralph would sit on that chair and he would time it. 15 minutes on this, he'd get up and move the chair and move the hose and wait for 15 minutes. And then here come along another brother. He'd come right along behind him. And about three and a half hours into it, he'd take the chair. He'd take the hose. Those men kept those trees from dying. Why? Because they took up their cross. They were Christians. They wanted to see what the Lord's money was spent on and was taken care of. You say, well, I never heard about anybody taking a cross like that. Let me tell you something. The cross is not just something that is forced on you. It's something you volunteer to do. 
We have preachers that will preach, and and you know what? And they, no matter how sick they get, they'll still go to that pulpit. No matter what happens, they'll still be there. You got Sunday school teachers that feel that way. When they see one of their students that is not there for two weeks, they begin to investigate. They begin to look for that person. Why? Because they are a soldier of the cross, and they want to be the best teacher they can be in helping those that they're sent to teach. Well, let me tell you something. I know many Christians that have taken up their cross. Taking up a cross has to do with being so dedicated to Christ that you're willing to endure criticism. And believe me, you know what? It's not always easy. Oh, you know, you stand on the pulpit on Sunday morning and you get 45, 35, 45 minutes up here and people begin to say, wow, you know, that preacher don't have much. I have lots of people that say, well, you know, preacher don't work very long, you know. And, you know, he works, works just on Sunday and, and Wednesday and, and, you know, it's about all he works. Let me tell you something. There's a lot of criticism goes on about that. But I'm going to tell you something. That's the thing that when a man or a woman feels the call of God to preach the gospel, it makes no difference what anybody says. You know what? you're doing because you have dedicated your life to Jesus Christ. You see, it causes you to be able to go through the criticism that you're so dedicated to Christ that you're willing to endure criticism. You're willing to endure persecution. You're willing to devote long hours in pursuit of God's calling. People who succeed in life in almost anything must deny themselves. You have to deny yourself. And that's when Christ was talking about to His followers denying themselves and taking up their cross and taking people who are willing to make them, you see, willing to take this as a token of sacrifice. He was talking about people who are willing to give their all to follow Him. To give everything they got to follow Him. Believe it or not, people still do that today. People still do that today. They give it all. They give everything there is to follow Christ. You know what? It's not always been easy. It's not always easy to do everything God asked us to do. It's not easy when somebody calls and says there's a there's an emergency in the emergency room and it's two o'clock in the morning. You you don't say, well, about nine o'clock tomorrow I'll show up. No. Sometimes because you're called and you feel that calling, you're going to get out of bed and you're going to go. You're going to leave your family. You're going to leave your comfort. You're going to leave your, your maybe the dinner that your wife has fixed. You know, I, I, you know, it amazes me. The people who say, I'll follow Christ as long as it's comfortable. Everything's not always comfortable. I, th- I thought about, you know, following Christ and denying ourselves and people who are willing to, to give all their all. There are many of them make ultimate sacrifices today. My daughter's a nurse. And she was talking sometime back about one of the nurses that had gone through a tragedy on vacation and and, and she was not able to get back to work and without in the hospital she's in, if you miss, you don't get paid. And so the girls volunteered to take one day a week. That's taking up your cross. I mean, this girl never missed a paycheck because they took her schedule and those girls would take and work their shift beyond their own. The day they were supposed to have off, they worked for somebody else so that they could continue. You see, sacrifice. There's sacrifice involved in taking up your cross and following Christ. You see, it's not only that. We don't have to look very far to see heroes. One example is we, we know we can all relate to is the firefighters. You know, we talk about it. They're going to put a, a memorial in our town. I seen the other day somebody passing around a petition to see whether or not they can allow to put it up. I don't understand that, but they want to put up a memorial, a piece of iron that came out of that, that powers and that, that had been such a tragedy to our country. 
The firefighters that rushed into that collapsing Twin Towers on 9-11 had no regard for their own safety. Had no regard. They had one goal in mind, and that was that they were to get in there and save lives of people. You see, it's a sacrifice of their own selves. Many of us will never forget the feeling that swept over us when that Twin Towers that Twin Towers fell. We were in South Carolina at that time. My wife began, I was in the other room and she seen this thing on television. She said, come and look, look, look. And the next thing we knew, not only the Twin Towers, then we seen the airplane flying into the building and to the, you know, and destroying it. And so I began to think about those people that were willing, many that were running out. While the people were running out and running from the smoke and running from the disaster, there were people running in to save lives. Why? Because they were willing. They were willing as firefighters, as emergency people to take up their cross and do what it was to save lives. We see it all around us. As we begin to think about not only those heroes, but who could ever forget the six teachers that were killed back in 2012? Back in Connecticut, back there, when, when the uh, Sandy Hook Elementary School, and as I begin to think about and look at those pictures and see and read those articles of those teachers not only trying to save the lives of those children, but some of those teachers shielded themselves. They actually got in front of those kids and took the bullet in order to save the lives of kids. We've seen it just not long ago in the state of Florida. You know, we had kids, kids telling the, about it was, how, how that it was that, that, that these, this, this coach that had taken up his cross for his kids, he was willing to be a human sacrifice. He was willing to put himself on the line in order to save children. How many of us are willing to put ourselves on the line? You see, I'm talking about physical things, but what about the spiritual things? What about the person, what about the kid that is following you? What about the neighbor boy that's watching your life? What about your children, your grandchildren, your nieces and nephews that's looking at your life? How many of them are looking at you and seeing Christ in you and seeing you teach them and lead them and direct them into the place to where they'll come to know Jesus Christ? You see, it makes a difference. Like that football player. You know, Brian uh, Campbell tells a story, a tragic story that happened in his hometown of two brothers, two young boys, who played by the river all the time. But they had been a flood. There had been a, a high waters. It was in the spring of the year. And the waters had come over the banks and washed all the sand and the gravel up onto the banks. Those of you that ever been around the creek, I was raised on a farm. We liked that. We like to go down to the creek after the flood because it changed the direction of that stream. And we got to see things we had never saw before. We got to dig into things. But he was telling of the story of the sand mounds that were there. And these boys began to play on them. But little did they realize when they climbed up onto that sand mound that there was a hollowness underneath. And he went down. The first boy went down and the, and the second boy trying to get him out began to go down. And finally, they, they, the boys didn't come home for supper. They didn't come. And so they began to search to one. They set up a team and began to look for these kids. Finally, they came to the riverbank. And there they saw the older, or the younger of the two standing with, with, with sand clean up to his shoulders and he was unconscious and they, they began to dig the sand away and when they got the sand away and began to work with him, he began to breathe. Then covered him. And he began to say, where's your brother? Where's your brother? 
He said, I'm standing on His shoulders. You see, the older brother died to save the younger brother's life. I'm going to ask you, whose shoulders are you standing on today? Whose shoulders are you standing on? Who has it been that has saved you? Who has it been that has preached to you? Who has it been that has lived that example before you? I'm going to tell you, I stand on a lot of shoulders today. Some of the men and women in the church of God that have preached the message, that has helped me to stand when people says, how do you know that's true? I tell you why. Because I've seen it in this sister. I've seen it in this brother. I've seen it in this saint and that saint. And so if God is no respecter of person, what He's done for them, He'll do for me. Standing on the shoulders of one another. I wonder who's standing on your shoulders. Whose shoulders are you standing on today? Who helped you to find Jesus? Who helped you to have peace in your heart today? Who in this world will find Jesus because you have taken up your cross to follow Him? Think about that. Who will it be? Will it be your father? Will it be your mother? Will it be your children, your co-workers, your neighbors? Who will it be? You see, because I took up the cross, because I was willing to obey God at a young age. I thought the other day, I cannot believe. I remember when I looked at 60-year-old people and I thought they were old. And here I am today. It's been over 60 years ago that I took up my cross. I said yes to Christ. And you know what? He's been faithful every day. I have not always. But He has been always faithful. He has been there. And I begin to think about when I took up that cross. And I can remember when my wife and I decided to leave Ohio and go to Texas. I can remember my daddy visiting our home. My dad saying to me, Son, what in the world do you think you're going to do? And I said to God's called me. I need to go. I'm going to Bible college. He said, you ain't never been out of the state of Ohio and you're going all the way to Texas. How do you know what you're going to get into out there? You've never been in there. Why you're preaching around, why do you have to go out there? You know what? one point he even said, how in the world do you ever think you're going to make a living out of a book? Now, you've got to understand my dad. My dad was a hard worker. I mean, he believed in hard labor. He... He farmed, he, he, he done construction work and he farmed a farm and, I mean, he did all of these things. I mean, he was a worker. But you know what? He thought it was, I was looking for the easy side. I, I was going to preach the Bible and I was just going to not do anything. You know what? But you know what? It took a while. I obeyed God rather than my own parents. And when I went to Texas, see, my dad told my mother, don't you, don't you call them. If they call you, that's one thing, but you're not spending money on calling them. They went to Texas. We told them not to go. But you know what? In a few years, in a roundabout way, God led me back and put me back over there within driving distance of my parents. And my dad being the hard worker he was, I pastored that church for a few years and we began to build and, and pretty soon we were adding a building and adding to the building. And my dad was a contractor. Now he wasn't helping on the building, but he wanted to see what was going on. He used to say he came to our town to get a Coney Island and shook out the job. But you know what? I come to dedication day and 
My mom said, I want to bake all the rolls. We said, Mom, we're going to, maybe we're going to need 350 rolls. I don't care. I'm going to make all the homemade rolls for that dedication dinner. And she did. My mom and dad came. In the next week or two, he started coming to church. And one Sunday morning, I had one of the meanest guys in town that I'd been working on, and he came to church and been coming to church, and I'd been praying. I'll tell you what, I got done preaching, and I had my eyes closed, and I was just praying, God, you, you, I know the Spirit of God's here. You need to talk with John today. You need to let him get free today. Let him get saved. And I was praying and praying. Pretty soon I looked up, and I seen his white hair. I thought for sure, that's John. Man, I began to walk down there, and lo and behold, it wasn't John, it was my dad. He got saved and my mom next to him. You see, taking up our cross is not always easy. But it, it will be rewarding. God will stay true to those that are stay true to Him. And so I begin to think about taking up our cross. Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves must give up themselves, take up their cross and follow Him. Of course, Jesus was speaking to, the, to a very special people. He was addressing those who, who would be His followers. In other words, you know what? When I begin to think about that, some people preach that and say, well, He was speaking to the disciples. No, He was speaking to you and me. He said, whosoever will become my disciple, whosoever shall be my follower. And you know what? That follower wasn't just for those twelve men back there. It was for the entire world. It was for you and me. And so Jesus was talking to me. He was saying there is nothing casual about following Him. I have to admit, I worry today that we ask so little of the average Christian today. We ask so little of them. Oh, we got preachers that'll preach and say, well, if you just believe with your mouth and say that you believe there's a God and you believe there's a Jesus, that, that's all there is to it. No, my friend, that's not all there is to it. In order to deny yourself, you have to believe and then profess it and confess it and ask God to come into your life. That's the only way that you become a disciple. Oh, we have people today, you know, in this generation that really bothers me, I have to admit. We tell people, well, you know, uh, you know, the average person, we say, well, come to church if you feel like it. If I came to church only when I felt like it, the devil would hold me home every week. It's his business to make you sick. It's his business to make you feel bad. It's his business to make your joints hurt. You see, but we have to be willing to say in spite of it all. I had a lady that came to church, went back to celebrate a church I pastored in Newcastle, Pennsylvania. They kept me back for a hundred year celebration. When we got there, I said, we're not going to celebrate a hundred years of this old, this old spot on the ground. We're going to celebrate Sister Dorothy. She was a hundred years old. But I'm going to tell you something. She came to church. When I was there, she taught those children. And when we'd have a CE meeting, you still have those kind of meetings? Where you, where you have to beg and twist arms to take a class? Nobody touches my class, she said. I've been there for all these years. Those kids are mine. And she taught that class for 40 years. When she lost her hearing, she came to church. 
I said to her daughter one day, I, I wonder, your mom just sat there with a big smile on her face. She said, yes, and she don't hear half of what anybody says. You're the only one she can even get a little bit of hearing out of. But she just loves to come to church. I tell you, I went back there and, and she came. I mean, later I went back after I did their dedication and went back for a week's revival. She came every night. Her daughter kept telling her, Mom, you're too old to get ready every night. She said, I'm going to church. I like Brother Swagger. Now, I want to tell you something. This lady, you see, it wasn't inconvenient. She wanted to be there. The greatest thing in the world is to be in church. I remember being in a prayer meeting one night in, in Newton Falls, Ohio. And back in the back, there was a little bit of commotion about the last pew in the back of the church. And pretty soon together, together around, we quit everything, went back to have prayer. And here one of our saints, an older saint, had died. She just flopped over in the pew. Somebody said, oh, that's a terrible thing. Go to church on Wednesday night and die. Man, that's the best place to go. I hope, I don't know how I'm going to go. I hope I go right here. I hope I'm standing here with my hands in the air. And Jesus reaches out and takes the strat out of me. Why? Because you see, what better place to be than be in the house of God when it happens. You see, when we're dedicated to Him, let me tell you something. We had people say, come when you feel like it. Drop a little offering in the plate. You know, we're scared to death to tell people they ought to tithe and give an offering above. But I still believe that old stuff, you know. It's still in the book. You know what? We, we don't talk about that. It's, it's amazing when we're looking for somebody. Well, well, you know, if you could serve on a committee. You know, one is going to have meetings once once a month, and now we've stretched them to once a quarter. Because we can't get people to come. I mean, these are people that says they took up the cross. They're going to follow Christ. Let me tell you something. What would you do if Christ only came to the church here once a month or once every quarter? Instead of every day and every time we gather together. The Bible says when two or more gather together, He's in the midst. He's here today. I want you to know that. He knows where you're living. He knows how you're walking. He knows what's going on in your life. We hear people say, serve on a church committee. If it doesn't interfere with your favorite hobby, or your television program, or your golf game, or your ball game, or your golf show, serve on the board if it's convenient. If this is what you mean to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me, I don't think so. I don't believe that at all. Not too long ago, there's a story came out of uh, Pakistan where, where a missionary had won a young lady to the Lord. This young lady had come to a meeting and, and the missionary had preached Jesus and preached about what Jesus could do in their life. And, and, and uh, uh, Salama... Selma is a Christian who, 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 who accepted the Lord and, and today she was inviting her friends and she began to invite them to Jesus. And when they came to Jesus, her friend who accepted Jesus went home to talk to his parents about it and they took her life. They literally chopped her head off because she became Jesus. And then they came after Selma. And they arrested her. And she's in jail even yet today. She has been beaten. She has been tortured. She has been, she is so sick she can't even go to the court hearings that they keep having trying to get her released. 
Why is she there? Because she was willing to take up her cross. Was it comfortable? No. But she was willing to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. How many of us today are willing to say something to our mailman or say something to our neighbor or say something to someone that we know that's in trouble? Jesus is the answer. You see, we're not gonna, if we do that, we're probably not gonna lose our head. We're probably not gonna be put in jail or tortured. But you know what? We need what this young girl had. You see, she was put in, she couldn't, she's unable to stand and walk today. Her back and hips and ankles are filled with pain because she seek, she sought seeking to fulfill as a follower of Christ. All because she took up her cross. And then I thought about, there's you and me. There's you and me. How, how would we respond? We can't miss our favorite TV program. We can't miss our sports events. We can't afford to give a few more dollars to help those that will carry the gospel around the world. What's happened to us? I begin to think, what's happened to the church of God? What's happened to us as a people? I mean, there was a time when, when we got a prayer request of someone that was sick. And brother, we gathered together with the saints that we knew knew how to pray, and we prayed for them until they got well. When we got a message of someone that was in deep water and deep trouble, a child that was headed to the wrong direction, and a parent would come to us, not only did we spend a few minutes at the altar, but we'd take together and gather throughout the week and pray for the salvation of that soul. But how much do we do today? How much do we do today? There's you and me. We have problems. What's happened to us? Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciples must deny themselves and take up a cross and follow me. You know, that's what he was talking about in Matthew 25. When Jesus began to, the disciples began to ask the question, Jesus said, I was at hunger and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me to drink. Who, who do you think gave those? It was those that took up their cross. It was their cross. And you know what? I believe that. I, I believe there are certain people. We had a lady in one of our churches that took care of a, a ball team. She washed her clothes. She cooked meals for them. You see, it, it was what they, what they call a, a green team. Or, uh, uh, you know, it was a, uh, the devil race. Out of Florida, they were in... They, they were a farm team. They were down in Princeton and there was one in Bluefield also. But you know what? They looked for families because these young boys that were playing baseball would be shopped out to these places. They'd stay in a motel. And the only contact they had was with somebody that would make and befriend them. And so she did. She was in our church. And one day I was preaching about what people feel like their gift is. And I said, you know, sister, you have the gift of, of, of cooking and hospitality for people. And, and she, she began to adopt these, these kids, these boys. I mean, they would come to she'd bring them to church. They'd come to church. You know, they, that was their only out from that motel other than when they were out on the ball field. But I'm going to tell you something. Ruby and Roy took up their cross for those kids. They won some of those kids. Those kids loved them. I remember their coach coming. Their coach coming to church one Sunday and 
Because of being on the road all the time, there was a lot of problems. His marriage was in trouble. He was having a difficulty. I can remember him coming to the altar and us praying together, talking later and sharing with him. And you know what? That man began to realize that he needed Christ in his family. He needed Christ in his life. Why? Because, you see, he had to be willing to take up the cross in order to save his marriage. Sometimes we need to realize what taking up the cross is all about. I thought about this. You'll have to look at your own life today, as I will. Are you a person focused on saving your life? Making it comfortable and convenient for you? Are you willing to be spent in order to save your life? Are you a person focused on losing your life for Christ's sake and actually saving it? Maybe we need to trade in our fashion crosses today. And take up the cross of Christ. The cross of Christ was not a fashion cross. The choice is yours the same as it is mine. I thought about, read an article not long ago about a missionary in Africa, Albert Schweitzer. Many of you read about Albert Schweitzer. And Albert Schweitzer, some guests were visiting in Africa to the mission field where he was at. And they began to look, and as they saw these people, they were trying to build a road. And Schweitzer was out there. They couldn't believe it. And they, they walked up to him and they said, Dr. Schweitzer, why are you pushing a wheelbarrow? How do you do that? He said, well, you take a shovel. And you fill it up with dirt. And then you take both handles and you wheel it up and you dump it. And you go back and you fill it up again and you push it up and you dump it. That's how you build a road. That's how you push a wheelbarrow. And you know what? That's the way we as a Christians work. We have to put our hands to the plow. We have to be willing to push the wheelbarrow. We have to be willing to deny ourselves and not think of ourselves as somebody. You know, a lot of people have this idea when you become a Christian, you never have sickness, you never have difficulty, you never have a difficulty with your bills, you never have any difficulty with your car. I mean, there's a lot of benefits to being a Christian, but I'm going to tell you something, It sometimes it costs us as well because we're still human. But there's a benefit because we know that with God, He can help us. He can help us in every situation if we trust Him. But, but Jesus was saying to us, if anyone wants to be my followers, he must put aside his own selfish ambition and shoulder your cross daily and follow Him. And you know what? I think it's time in the church that we pick up the shovel, we load up the wheelbarrow, and we begin to push. Because you know there's no time Today, to rest. Rest will come later. That's what the Bible teaches. Work for the day. Work for now. Do what you can for Christ now. Because there will come a time when you cannot do it. There will come a time when I'll slip away from this earth after working and working and working and working and doing all I can do. There will come a time when God will say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of the rest of the Lord. I'm going to rest someday. But today, i got to keep busy. Today, you need to keep busy. Today is a day for you to take up that cross. What are you doing with your life? 
What cross are you bearing today? What are you doing? As I begin to think, there's lots of things we can do, and I'm going to close, but I won't give an advertisement because I believe there's a cross bearing here. I believe part of the cross is that you've got spare time and you got the ability and you knew how to run a lawnmower. And if you don't, somebody, if you got a brain and somebody can show you how to do it, you can run a lawnmower. I believe we'll have an oversized list of people wanting to mow the grass. I, I believe that, I, I believe with all my heart, and I've seen it happen. You know what? You've got people that have surgery. You've got people that are sick and at home that can't cook and can't handle. You know what? There ought to be a group of ladies. There ought to be, a, and even some men, because once in a while I cook some things. I mean, you know, we ought to be able to come together and make something that everybody would like that you could put in pans and put in the freezer. And when you hear about somebody, pull it out of the freezer and thaw it out, as the sister said, for a day. Because they may not know how to thaw it out. <laughs> to, to thaw it out! And then take it to them. That's taking up a cross. You know how to cook. You know how to do that. You can do it. You know, you, you, you know how to make cookies. Just don't overbake them. You know how to do it. You know how, you know how to help. There's, there's kids, there's children that are struggling today. There's young people. This is a terrible day to have to raise your children in. These children need someone that will just love them. Encourage them. We used to take them out to lunch once in a while. Just to encourage them. Take up your cross. Whatever your cross is, take it up. We all have something to offer to the kingdom. Every one of us. We just have to be willing to say, Lord, I'm available. I'm available. Are you today? What is it that God's speaking to you about that you can do that you're not doing? Let this be the day you say, yes, Lord, you can count on me. This is the day. I commit myself to you. I'll take up my cross and I'll follow you all the way to the end of this life. Let's stand. Father, this morning, you know the hearts and the lives. Oh God, we pray that as we think about what you have done for us, you never backed away when things got tough. You never walked away when people began to curse you and criticize you. You didn't back away when you could have called 10,000 angels and spared your life. You were willing to go all the way just for us. Lord, help us today to be willing to pick up our cross. Help us to be willing to do what You've called us to do. That we might reach others for Jesus. Father, speak to hearts and lives here this morning. There may be one here this morning that needs to come and say, Oh God, I give my all to You. I want to pick up that cross. I want to follow You and You alone. Just tell me where to go and what to do. Father, speak to their hearts and lives today and we'll give You the thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Will You come as we sing? Number four.